welcome to another episode of Gay for Play, a podcast about all things queer in the world of video games, pop culture, and beyond. I'm abbreviating this moment, Eric Solis. And I'm Lawrence Turner Cordova. Uh, and I've got something that I can spray down your throat. It's another dose of the I guess a proto-dose of the vaccine? Is that what that was? <laughs> is that, That's what that? I think that scene implies. Yeah. Ethan Hawke shows up for 15 seconds to administer an unknown medicine directly to the backs of the throats of um, the cast of the movie we're talking about today, Glass yeah. Onion. Um, fun fact, not or just fun thing, I don't know if you noticed this, that everyone who gets a shot to the throat in that scene gags, chokes, like coughs, does something, and then Benoit Blanc, played by Except Daniel Craig, gets Daniel in the Craig back of the throat. Is... No gag reflex whatsoever. He be yep. a throat. He be throat goating it. Yep, 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 yep. Um, hi, hello. Um, welcome to Go for Play. We're usually a video game podcast, but I just checked my calendar and oh. <laughs> and baby, it's February. Oh my god! <laughs> Did you get your press packages, listeners? We're, it's a big rollout this year for February. Yeah, we're sending boxes with tons of um, tons of swag, tons of swag. Mm-hmm. Um. And we're talking about films this month because uh, we started this last year and we were like, January is always a slow month for games. Let's talk about uh, movies for a bit. Yeah. And I love talking about movies, even for a little bit. Um, And, you know, some might ask, film you wary. It's a play on the word January. Now, wouldn't (laughs) film you wary maybe be better suited to the month of February, the second month of the year that also starts with an F, the same letter as February? To which I say, are you trying to take away from Black History Month? Which is what I say to that. When I hear people say film you wary should be in February, I'm like, Mm -hmm. okay, so you you want to take away from Black people is what I'm hearing with my ears. Yeah, it's time to sit your white ass down and listen, listen. to February. Yeah. Which is happening this month, January, and maybe a little February. We were talking about a little bit of yeah, it, last we, night. And we, were we like, probably will. Leak it might, it might, there might be a little bleed over. Yeah, um, yeah, um, should we say, we should say it is a sleigh that we are starting the year off in our episode banking era because we did record mm-hmm. an episode yesterday and we're here recording another episode today. Kind of love that for us. Have we ever done that? Like recorded an episode two days in a row consecutively maybe like early on i feel like no though i feel like we've always spaced it out like at least a week but kind of love this for us kind of love the energy I, and of- I, especially and i think this is a little bit of the magic of filming where we pull the curtain back a little bit listener um films notoriously shorter than video games easy to easy to consume easy, easy to little bite-sized snacks yeah. little Even nibbles when you... compared to trying to play a full-length video game for a podcast every couple yeah. of weeks i mean it's the active versus the passive uh you know consumption of mm-hmm. it with video games you always have to be doing something even with a game like immortality which is mostly a watching a movie watching a movie you're still scrubbing through the footage um doing something um but movies oh right down the right down the hatch only thing is like it's so funny how I'm so hesitant to watch movies because I'm like, when do I have two hours of my life to sit down and watch a thing? And then I'll go and play five hours of Elden Ring. <laughs> mm-hmm. Or or like 16 rounds of Vampire Survivors in yeah. a without a break. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I yeah. have been going hard in the paint yeah. on Vampire Ooh. Survivors lately. Yesterday I hopped into a level, cleared it on my first go. Cleared it on my first attempt mm. at level. So mm-hmm. really kind of slaying 
I was going to say the vampires, but the joke of vampire survivors is that there's no vampires in it. <laughs> yeah, I like the weird anti-story of vampire survivors yeah. in that it seems like there's so much lore and stuff going on. And it, it's it's such an excessive game. But there's really, like, not really a problem whatsoever. Yeah. There's, like, little hints. There's, like, little bits and hints and stuff. But there's not, like, an Elden Ring over hiding the plot deep inside your item descriptions or character. No, it's just yeah. it's a good also, time. Also, I do love I do love the, like, uh, the grimoire of all the, like, enemies mm-hmm. you fight and all the different enemy descriptions. That's fun. Anyways, that's enough video games. Should we talk about the movie that we're talking about this week? Yeah. I am excited to talk about this movie, Lawrence, would you say me so? Me too. Me too. Um, I was, I didn't go see it in theaters. Sorry. Uh, well, sorry, I, Nicole it was Kidman. Only in, it was in theaters for like a, a week. Yeah. And then it went away. Um, I did. And, and, and I like kind of made the decision when it was like in theaters. I was like, well, I'll probably want to watch this over the holidays, like with family. Mm-hmm. Um, which is exactly what I did and what many people did. Yeah. Um, which is, I mean, genius on Netflix's part. Um, to like get the rights to stream this movie pretty much exclusively. Like I think they put it in theaters for a week just so they could like technically be eligible for Academy Awards. Um, well, you don't even need that anymore, do you? I feel like I th- I feel like that's a, I think that is. The, you I don't have think to so, have like no- at least one big screen screening to be like you have to like at a film festival or something. I don't. Oh, know. Oh, okay. Well, film festivals. I yeah, just, I feel like, like I, rem- I I just feel like I remember reading that like the week that Netflix put Glass Onion in theaters was like for some kind of like contract uh, re- I'll reason. I'll have to look into that because I don't I, I don't think it's the Academy Awards require movies to be in theaters anymore because I feel like there's been some like straight to streaming well, movies that have been nominated. 20, I mean, I, th- I know 2020 they like totally dropped yeah. that because the only choice was like to stream. Well, or, duh. Yeah. Uh-huh. We, we were not, we were not um, going uh-huh. to um, the place where magic is born. According yeah. to Nicole Kidman. Speaking of perfect segue, uh, the movie we were talking about glass onion and knives out mystery mm-hmm. by directed by Ryan Johnson, a period piece. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Set One in- of Set in the long, long ago, because it, it honestly feels like an entire it's lifetime. It's been three ago. years, bitch. Um, twenty twenty, the pandemic. Yeah. Oh my God, Lawrence, you just said it's been three. Years. It's been three years. I I know. I was making that realization, being <laughs> oh, like, oh boy, oh god, oh god, what have I done with my life since then? Done a podcast. <laughs> what else? <laughs> um, Beats but yeah, me. it's it's funny. I remember. Do you remember how like, um, May or so of twenty twenty when we were in the thick of it. I feel like the general consensus was like, I don't want to see shit about COVID, you know, two years from now. I don't want to see yeah. any, like... Because people would be like, oh, the, the art we're going to get from this period, oh, the art that's going to come out of COVID, it's bad, but, like, just think of the art. And I was like, literally, shut the fuck up. I yeah, don't yeah, ever no. want to... I don't want to relive any part of this or remember any part of this ever again. Glass Onion, though, does a pretty good uh, yeah. job it's been it. a It's been a fun... Um, a fun look back at that mm-hmm. time, specifically the way that the wealthy, the wealthy whites behaved at that time. Uh, mm-hmm. I think this, obviously, the first Knives Out movie was a kind of uh, social class commentary, and Glass Onion we get that again in a um, more modern, but an mm-hmm. again a, a uh, period setting here, and yet incredibly, uh, incredibly relevant. Uh, and pertinent and, yeah um, weirdly a, mov- a I, movie about 2020 mm-hmm. but about a very 2022 2023 figure <laughs> mm-hmm. cool um do we need do we need to explain more about what knives out is i mean you all probably saw it it was you a it was a it. runaway success yeah um um and yeah and i i really i remember seeing it in theaters and going wow this is just so not what i expected 
um, a movie by Ryan Johnson who was releasing this movie alongside, I believe it was in theaters at the same time as the third of the new trilogy Star Wars movies. What was it? The Rise of Skywalker? Oh, yeah, the one that he didn't do. Um, the one that he didn't do because yeah. he mm-hmm. got like such incredibly negative backlash from, from mm-hmm. Last Jedi, which I think is entirely undeserved. I think it's the best of those uh, three uh, yeah. Disney films uh-huh. by a long shot. Yeah. Um, but, for, but for Ryan uh, Johnson to get to yeah. release, what? What? I, what were you going to say? I, no, say it. I like The Force Awakens. I, I think The Force Awakens lay. The most l- of the three? I don't know. I need. I haven't. I was thinking about it. I haven't watched Last Jedi in a long time. I need to go back and watch it again. Um, I've been listening to. I talked about it on the episode we recorded yesterday. Uh, I've been listening to a more civilized age. Uh, They're like Andor mm-hmm. recap, and they were talking about Ryan Johnson and talking about how the Last Jedi is still a very like cynical film. It's like very cynical about Star Wars, mm-hmm. and it's kind of a critique of uh, what Star Wars is. Whereas I think The Force Awakens was a very like uncynical classic reboot and was basically just mm-hmm. a new hope retold um yeah i definitely think though that the last jedi is the most interesting star wars um the most daring um mm-hmm. and just the funnest it's the most fun ryan johnson he loves to he loves to do something for the something for the girls something for the summertime something to get ready and party mm-hmm. to like that's he's not a, he's not afraid to have a good time and have a silly time. Have a have having a having a little reverent time. And what I love, and I'm also harping this from when uh, from more civilized age when they were talking about Last Jedi. He loves to um, uh, critique or like comment on whatever genre or kind of film that he's working in. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that we see that in both Knives Out and this movie, uh, which are uh, kind of teardowns, takedowns of. Um, you know the who done it, the murder mystery, mm-hmm. the um, the the clue of it all. Uh, yeah, and what and what wonderful vindication for him to like come off of Star Wars and then like make this movie that is entirely all original characters, brand new like film franchise, and mm-hmm. yet like have it be such such a success that we now just a couple years later get Glass Onion. That to me doesn't feel like any kind of like rushed or like cash grabby like oh we got to make a series out of this thing because the first movie was big. This genuinely like is a really great film that stands on its own alone, I think. Yeah. Separate except, from the original Knives Out. Yeah, except Netflix decided that, like, you still got to put Knives Out in the title, which Ryan Johnson didn't want to do. He wanted the movie to just be called Glass Onion, but they were like, mm-hmm. no, but how are they going to know it's a sequel? And they're like, well, people people will use their brains, but then Netflix decided mm-hmm. that people's brains can't be trusted and forced him to put a Knives Out mystery in the title. I feel like they should have just done, like, a Benoit Blanc mystery, and I feel like that would have that's but, what I and oh, that's because that's he's gonna he seems to be like the connecting thread. Yeah. And if there is a follow up to this movie, I, I imagine it's going to be a sort of, you know, modern Sherlock Holmes kind of tale of like this one guy sort of moving from mystery to mystery, always mm-hmm. getting a new cast, always getting a new mystery. Um, and yeah, I mean, should we talk about Benoit Blanc, Daniel Craig himself? Yeah. Um, who I think is kind of the reason why we were like, OK, we got to keep it a little gay for film Yeah. Um, and I feel like Benoit Blanc smash hit. Uh, 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 gay for the girlies. Yeah. So was he? Was he confirmed gay in this movie? Was there anything that like pointed to him being gay in Knives Out, or was it just kind of coding? Um, I I rewatched a little bit of the first Knives Out today, uh-huh. and he definitely plays it a lot more straight uh, mm-hmm. in the first movie. <laughs> um, it really. I was actually. I was really surprised how different the tones are between these two. Glass Onion definitely feels a little more madcap to me. I'm mm-hmm. um, a little bit more of a romp, whereas like Knives Out kind of was 
leaned more into like the thriller nature of it. So Benoit yeah. Blanc isn't as, uh, you know, a little not wacky because he's not he's not like you know yeah a well he's definitely goofier in, in he's Glass definitely Onion. yes well, and and for a good reason that I mm-hmm. think kind of plays into the mystery. Um, but yeah, no, his his portrayal in the first Knives Out is definitely a lot more restrained. Not and not in a way where I was like, oh, this is a a fun southern charming gentleman detective type. But I didn't necessarily get coding. Yeah. From him in the first one, um, but the coding in this one is through the roof, and I don't even. Well, think he has coding. a husband. Is, he has a husband. <laughs> yeah. um, he def- he. The word husband is never said, but isn't it? It's like Hugh Grant, right? Who opens yeah. the door and they to like roommates. their apartment, and they were roommates. Yes, <laughs> people on Twitter saying like, "No, he's just like the house guy." Sure. No. He's, he's like he's like in an like Hugh Grant opens the door in an apron covered in flour, and he's like Benoit. There's someone at the door for you. Yeah. Not that flimsy, but. But but essentially that yeah. it's giving very domestic, uh, domestic older gay couple uh, in their mm. cute little loft apartment. I thought that was cute. Um, yeah, and cool to just have this um, this queer lead to such a uh, such a fun and beloved film. Um, mm. Where where else do where where else do we go from here? That's um, it. The main character's gay. Uh, the main character's that's why gay. We talked about See it. Later. See you later. Like and subscribe. Patreon. <laughs> Yeah, I I watched this movie, Glass Onion for the second time today, and I really enjoyed it the f- second time. I think mm. I when I told you when I first watched this and I talked to you about it, I said I'm not sure how it stacks up to the first. I really did. I really, I really, really love the first Knives Out. I think mm-hmm. it's like one of the best movies of that year that it came out. Like so well executed, so well done. I love it. It just of a good mystery i think it's low-key like one of the best genres and one of the best like storytelling devices in film or video games or anything but like creating a sense of mystery there's such a suspense to that and um to see something that was so original and like not did not feel super derivative um from like other mysteries we'd seen before that um and i think i and i think after watching glass onion the first time i was like oh that mystery was there but it kind of seemed like it was more focused on you know more like political social commentary than it seemed like the first one was and then i rewatched part of the mm. first one and i went no yeah these i was gonna say lots these movies are, are actually about equal amounts like a subtle political commentary it's just glass onion is a lot more you're expecting it going into it more i think and so i think it just wasn't as surprising when i was like oh this is really about like real shit that's going on um huh it's interesting which, i feel like this i feel like glass onion was Ultimately less political than the first one. Mm-hmm. I think uh, what I loved, loved, loved about Knives Out was um, how it was talking about not only class, but specifically race and how race and class intersect. Uh, I think like my my favorite moment from the first Knives Out is, so it centers around Ana de Armas' character who is um, a nurse caretaker for uh, the, um, the patriarch of this family who uh, passes away and... Uh, leaves his entire will to her um and you know which upsets his large white family <laughs> um and like one of my favorite moments of that movie is there's a scene where they're like in a parlor and they're like talking to each other and then like um someone just like hands on to armis like an empty mug like as if she's like mm-hmm. like just j- without saying it like just um viewing her as the help and so mm-hmm. there's that like little subtle racial aggression mm-hmm. and what's interesting is with glass onion i feel like we didn't have that despite the fact that our like Ana de Armas character in, in this is also a woman of color. It's Janelle Monet. Um which which holy shit, what a performance. What a performance. Oh 
my god and she she's like been acting it's 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 not like she's new to acting but like this is the first time in a movie everyone like oh my god you're like a you're a fucking incredible actor along with being like one of my favorite pop stars of like the last couple maybe last decade she's like up there for me i i listened to dirty computer after watching this movie and i was like god perfect album i fucking love that album Yeah, yeah yeah um but interestingly i don't think that this movie um had much to say about janelle's character's position as a black woman in uh this like largely white group of friends um i thought there would be more talking about how um i'm gonna assume if you're listening you've seen the movie i think we're kind of oh yeah we're doing little... spoilers for this please yeah. yeah please please go watch it no it's really good you should, it's on netflix literally what do you yeah watch it um but i thought it would have more to say about how um edward norton's character kind of uh stole credit from a black woman and you know mm-hmm. uh launched a hugely massive um tech career um you know while leaving her into dust and i thought it would have more mm-hmm. to say about like how white men tend to yeah. screw over women of color and and, and, like, I, and i felt i felt the similar i felt a similar way of like it, it wasn't as direct as the first movie yeah. it was still there i mean it was still there i mean you're saying it was still like, like it implied all, right yeah yeah and it's all it's all there on the surface of the film but I, it's certainly not as like as uh direct nuanced yeah, yeah, yeah nuanced as as the first movie i don't know it was yeah i i enjoyed it though i enjoyed it i enjoyed that for what it was because i feel like it had other had, there's a lot going on in this movie what, yeah. finish your thought about it and that was about it yeah that like okay. um I, I think it's like it's very show don't tell um but i feel like a little bit of telling would have been nice mm-hmm. to kind of just like give you that like again that that cringe feeling that i got right. from the first movie of like watching these microaggressions towards the woman of color oh i would say that's a good way to put it certainly not as much cringe as the first yeah. movie because there are moments of of knives out where it's like they keep referring to her as her family being from like four different countries yeah, yeah, yeah. know <laughs> where her family's from and i'm like oh my god that's sucking that hurts so much yeah. um um what was i just gonna say Oh well, because we mentioned already, the movie is set during 2020 during the the, the coronavirus outbreak. Um, but I think it's, it says in the beginning specifically it's May of 2020, which mm-hmm. is around the time that the George Floyd protests, um, you know, erupted um, yeah. across across the world and 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 America. And so this movie is set in the same month. It, it is. It could be possible that like th- that is happening at the same time as George mm-hmm. Floyd, like over this isolated island weekend. Um, I don't know. I didn't really have a point there. Other than I just, I just, I well, just remember yeah, that. that I, is... I mean, it's interesting. Like, what uh, for this movie to be set at a time of such massive social upheaval? Mm-hmm. It, it's kind of interesting to see. Like, oh well, of course these white people don't care about this. They're literally isolated on an island, not giving mm-hmm. a fuck about anything but their yeah. own lives. Um, yeah, I, I will say, a fucking fantastic cast in this movie. Mm-hmm. I, like on ensemble. I, I maybe I even I like even more than the first movie honestly mm-hmm. like I, I yes yeah. it's, it's I think so certainly more like every I think it's less the family in the first movie was like a pretty hefty number of people I think this is like six people mm-hmm. plus Benoit Blanc um so you really do get a lot more like t- screen time with these individual um absolute buffoons of yeah. of uh of, of people of, of class and privilege um my favorite I don't know if, you agree. I liked Catherine Hahn the most of these characters. I, Between Catherine Hahn and Kate Hudson. I was going to say Kate Hudson's probably my fave. Um, mm-hmm. Just because I loved... I, I just love... I feel like um, 
Kate Hudson, I, like, so knew this woman. Like, she was the person I felt like I knew the most. Like, her wearing the Lana Del Rey mesh mask. <laughs> yes. Or, like, she's, like, throwing this giant party at the beginning of the movie. And someone's yeah. like, why are these people at your house? It's like, don't worry, they're in my pod. <laughs> they're in my pod. <laughs> and it's, it's like, so 50 people. <laughs> Plus Yo-Yo Ma. Yeah. Um, some great cameos in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I love I love Catherine Hahn. Catherine Hahn's character as like this um, liberal sort of governor, neoliberal uh, governor, giving um, Gretchen Whitmer a little bit, um, mm-hmm. but just very uh, uh, as you come as you as 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 made clear by her actions in the movie, seems to be a very selfish person or very self image obsessed person. Well, all these every, people are every, right. They They're, all are, but her character, especially like when shit goes down, the first thing she does is think about like, oh my god, the headlines the are going to be about here, me, yeah. the optics of this, or or yeah, or like Dave Batista's um, like um, a right wing streamer activist, a, a Andrew Tate figure, <laughs> mm-hmm. which again, wow, the 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 timeliness, yeah. the timeliness of this film. Um, but yeah, he's he's also like I don't know, just completely self absorbed. All of these people so self absorbed. Where where the first movie was a lot about like old money and like class privilege this is very much a a new, new money. money a new money film um yeah. less about a family and more about like i don't know at its center like sort of like the the tech monopolization mm-hmm. of like of america because that's where like most of the new wealth has come from um especially uh uh with uh ed norton's character yeah. who is elon the antagonist musk. Yeah. elon musk elon musk same thing yeah and and that's like pointing to the timeliness of this movie it's crazy that this movie was like uh set in 2020 i think shot in 2021 um was Mm. when they filmed it um but it is about a very 2022 ass figure in Mm -hmm. this person who is clearly clearly an analog for elon musk this like um billionaire buffoon who thinks he is um the most brilliant man on the planet and has convinced a large swath of people that he is, but is ultimately a con man and a um, self-obsessed narcissist. Um, Mm -hmm. It's so good. (laughs) And again, kind of spoiling the movie. I think it's brilliant that like the, the solution to the mystery is that there is no mystery. It is very much the glass onion is uh, an Occam's razor type situation where it's like, Mm -hmm. the first and most obvious suspect is Edward Norton, and lo and behold, mm-hmm. it is him. And it's more about just the um, the arrogance of, like, these stupid rich people thinking that they are so much smarter and so much um, – uh, just so above everything that they have mm-hmm. the most brilliant out to everything when really we see right through them. Um, right. Well, yeah. the, the, the sort of thing that um, – Ed Norton's character, uh, I think it's Miles is his name. Miles Braun, mm-hmm. that's what it was. Miles Braun, this mega uber Elon Musk billionaire type, talks about being a disruptor and how him and his group of friends are um, disruptors. You know, they're the people that see what see the world for what it really is in a very, like, Matrix red pill sort of mm-hmm. scenario. I mean, he talks about, like, yeah, you know, disruptors, what they do is, like, they break things. They break little things here and there. But then there's that one thing that society doesn't want you to break. And we're the people that are here to break that. And, like, <laughs> it's so, it's so like, um, sound and fury um, for nothing, mm-hmm. uh, signifying nothing of, like, yeah, all these, all these rich people who think that they're, like, doing all this, like, good to change the world are actually, like, doing absolutely nothing to actually, like, change the status quo they are all like self-serving um and for that to sort of be like 
the the most obvious answer and the most truest answer in our world today is that like why are rich billionaire assholes you know why aren't they doing more to save the world it's like well because there is like an inherent narcissism and selfishness that comes with being yeah a that comes with having that level of mm-hmm. insane wealth and power yeah yeah mm-hmm. and this movie really scrutinizes them in a way that I think is so smart um by like yeah by by being a glass onion by being like no you you think it's layered and dense and there's all this complexity to it but the simplest answer is the easy is is the truest answer Occam's um, razor hunty Occam's razor hunty except for <laughs> Janelle Monet's character who I think is the only disruptor the only true yeah. disruptor in this movie Yeah which what um, a fun gag I knew going into this um I hadn't I didn't have anything spoiled for me but like I knew going into this that it would do the same thing that knives out does of like you think you think you know what's going on and then a rug is pulled out from under you with knives out it was um uh Christopher what's what's the actor's name who played I can't think of I think it. it was I think it was Chris Pine. No, no, no. I'm talking about the the oh. the grandpa. Oh, um what's um, his name? Throm- Thromby. Um like uh, Thromby. Thromby or something? The, the 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 art the author the who dies in the first movie? Oh, yes, that's the character's name. I was trying to think of the actor's name. Oh, I don't remember the actor's name. Knives out cast. Okay, I got it. Christopher Plummer. Christopher Plummer was mm. uh who played yeah, Harlan Thromby. Um the gag being that like he um uh what was what is so sorry i'm so he he, he he orchestrated his, his own, own death because uh yeah. because he realizes that Anna Darmus has accidentally poisoned him but then she didn't it was actually chris Pine. You, you've seen the movie there's there's yeah. twists and turns but like that moment when it goes back to the night of um the night of the murder mm-hmm. or the night of the death and you see what actually happened um we got that same sort of style of sequence in Knives Out when you find out that mm-hmm. the character that we think Janelle Monet is playing mm-hmm. is dead and this is her twin sister. Um, mm-hmm. Who has been impersonating her dead yeah. sister to like trick all these, uh, you know, uh, billionaire narcissists on this island into like figuring out who murdered her sister. Yeah, and is going Literally. there because she knows that one of them will be like, why the fuck is she here? Uh, because mm-hmm. she's supposed to be dead. Mm-hmm. Which, again, like, when I watch this movie for the second time, like, the, I, th- it's more uncomfortable to watch the movie the second time. In the same way that, like, the first movie had a lot of, like, suspense and cringe. It, like, it only really hit for me the second time knowing that, like, oh, what's going on here is that one of these people knows who, know that there's no way that she can be alive and is, like, thinks they're seeing a ghost or something, but can't let on to anybody mm-hmm. else that they know. Because then if they let on, then everyone knows that they're the one that killed her. And yeah. I'm like, oh, that's so... And you, Does and you it, see that you see that in every single like acting choice and like subtle look and nod and gesture the second time that you're watching the movie. Uh huh. Yeah, yeah. Um, Does it read specifically in especially in Edward Orton's character? Like it is. It is. Yeah, it uh-huh. is yes, because it is. It is him who did in fact murder um, yeah. Helen's sister Andy. Um, and, but yeah, from like the moment they like first see on the beach, he's like, "Oh my god, what am I seeing right now?" Mm-hmm. Um, and and yeah, and that that switcheroo, that that fun little like mid movie like pulling pulling of the rug uh it just it just makes me so much more impressed with janelle monet than i already was like watching the film to start with that like the the layer of being one character being that character's sister and then being that character's sister who was then playing her sister mm-hmm. with like varying accents and like you can hear it slip sometimes when she like has a hard kombucha and like is a little drunk but then you see her like get her composure back i'm like oh and acting and, and, mama and, Acting a mama, and I love that there's 
going into Glass Onion, you're going to watch it the first time being like, oh, I'm going to watch. I'm going to be so careful and I'm going to figure this out because I'm so smart and I know that they're trying to trick me. So I'm just going to, I'm going to keep a close eye and then... <laughs> And then that's the plot twist, and you're like, literally, I never would have caught that. Yeah. And yet, when you watch Did, the movie the second time, you're like, oh, there it is, right there. She absolutely is like not someone, not who she says she is. The first time you watched it, did you catch on to any of the? Um, did you catch on to anything? Did you catch any moments where you're like, oh, I, I think I know what's going on here? Um, um, I caught the moment um, where Dave Bautista's character gets uh, poisoned. Um, Me too. Yeah, because Miles Brun like puts pineapple juice in his drink that he's allergic, which he's which he is allergic to, mm-hmm. and then like causes him to suffocate and like die on the floor. But 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 in the movie they're like, oh well, they um, like you see that oh he was drinking out of a cup that says Miles on it. He accidentally drank a drink that was meant for Miles. Miles just switched the cups, and I see yeah. and I saw the switch of the cups. Same. Happen. Yeah, my sister and I do- noticed that, mm-hmm. and we were like, hold on a minute, rewind. Hold on a minute. Yeah. Yeah, like Edward Norton like subtly hands Dave Bautista his cup with the pineapple juice in it and then picks up Dave Bautista's cup to make mm-hmm. it look like that. Like, oh, we just accidentally switched. And then that's what he says after he dies is like, oh, my God, we, we, he must have picked up his drink or my drink when he thought it was his. And I'm like, no, 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 no. I saw I saw something. Something <laughs> happened here. But the fact that that's the first time that like it happens and that's pretty late into the movie, uh-huh. into, like at least the first like act of the movie i would say before you sort of get the curtain pulled back and see like what was really going on mm-hmm. this uh this these feelings that, that you must buttress <laughs> take your feelings and buttress them um i've loved sorry this is kind of a tangent but i've loved seeing on twitter people um inserting uh benoit blanc into like other situations and be, like mm-hmm. just talking about other movies they'd love to, him to appear in my personal mm-hmm. favorite was that people were like i would love to have a detective pikachu too with pikachu oh <laughs> with pikachu god. and benoit blanc solving a mystery together but god pikachu I... I feel like i feel like we've solved some kind of uh um, some kind of team rocket puzzle <laughs> now pikachu i think one of us in this room might be the very best, like no one ever was. <laughs> <laughs> I would um, love to see, and I had this thought the second time watching the movie, because they like get on a boat to travel to the island where the, the, the murder mystery happens. But when they're sailing up to the island, I'm like, gosh, if they were sailing to Mystery Island from Scooby-Doo, the live action oh my God, yeah. film, and like that was where the movie took place, ooh, that would be good. Now I'm like, I want to see a Benoit Blanc theme park murder mystery yeah some kind because i'm like okay if they want to make a series if they, i mean I, I would be happy if they made a third one uh, yeah i, I be, think i'd be more I, than happy to see a third i'll eat it movies. up i'll eat i'll eat up because i'm like where would it go where could it go next to space the bottom of the ocean yeah this movie ultimately makes me hopeful for the future of cinema that's such a wow sweeping statement. yeah it's but so cliche so sweepingly broad but no i completely agree but just because it's like movies aren't fun anymore and i feel like mm-hmm. movies are starting to be fun again we have this i feel like megan is also kind of picking up that mantle of like mm-hmm. let's just make good silly stuff you know and mm-hmm. um i really appreciate i feel that like um like barbarian from last year was sort of a similar thing or even um malignant the year before that who was mm-hmm. which is by the same director as megan of like just really like wacky off the wall who could have seen a movie going this way and yet like the surprise and like the earnesty like the 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 lack of insincerity mm-hmm. um in in films like knives out and megan although we haven't seen it yeah. yet um yeah no it's 
it 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 shines a little bit of a bright light. I think. Yeah, I also think it is um, very hilarious to see um, right wing pundits completely miss the point of this movie. Mm-hmm. And did you see Ben Shapiro's insane? No, you're not on Twitter. <laughs> no, I, I I heard that that this happened though. I heard that Ben Shapiro was like Knives Out is such a shitty movie. How how dare yeah, they? Yeah, well, Glass Onion specifically. He's, oh, he's sorry, that's on, what, Glass yeah. Onion. I mean, um, he went on this huge tirade where he was like, "It's so obvious, like it's so obvious who the murderer is, and like none of it makes sense." Blah blah blah. And it's like literally everything you're saying is like exactly what Ryan Johnson was like trying to do. You, you doofus. Um, mm-hmm. it, it's. It's been wild to see people so completely miss the point. And I think really touch a nerve with, like, people. Because, like, people love to uh, dick ride for uh, billionaires. And I feel like any time that they are critiqued and uh, rightfully pointed out, rightfully uh, people point out how um, uh, how much of, of privileged babies they are, uh, I feel like people go into defense mode hardcore and i think that we've definitely seen this on elon musk's website which i am unfortunately yeah. still largely on um yeah it, it's just it's it's so fascinating to see people miss the point yeah, well because it's it's the assumption that like billionaires have their wealth because they earned it and there is something extraordinary it's it's yeah. the same thing of like deeming kings and queens like um as yeah divine God. right like, yeah uh-huh. divine right to rule like people billionaires the same way i'm like okay fucking boot lickers yeah yeah yeah. it's crazy if elon musk really cared he would sell twitter and give it to you and me to run. oh baby i i will not accept that offer not for that's a lie for 44 billion dollars no i don't know i don't, I don't know <laughs> don't put me into this moral position to make a choice between <laughs> two well, bad things worry. that I know it's, that I want. It's yeah, it would never happen. Gonna happen. Yeah. Out of sight, out of mind. Um, what else about this film do you like? Do um, you talk about? We didn't mention um, the Stephen Benoit Sondheim. Blanc playing yeah. Among Us with Stephen Sondheim, Angela Lansbury, Natasha Lyonne, and Kareem uh, Abdul-Jabbar. Yeah. <laughs> One of the most unhinged uh, scenes ever. Mm. Uh, also, wild that this is Angela Lansbury's last film appearance and Stephen Sondheim and Stephen Sondheim's yeah yeah like again like wild wildly prescient this film was to mm-hmm. have these legends represented uh before their unfortunate deaths um but yeah that was so fun did you see that like um uh they they I think there was an interview where Ryan Johnson said that like he was like trying to explain the rules of of Among Us to <laughs> Angela Lansbury and also she was like trying to follow it and ultimately she was like I don't get it just tell me what the lines are <laughs> yeah I, I think I, I Stephen Sont- Sont- I forget what Stephen Sondheim says but there's some line that is like like says something along the lines of like you weren't sus enough Benoit or something that references Among Us the game and I'm like the thought of Stephen Sondheim like at, at, at like a at a ripe 91 years old like Kicking ass, <laughs> yeah. This is so fun. Oh, I with, love it with Natasha Leone and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Just the wildest combinations of yeah. people. Uh, and then Benoit Blanc, the world's greatest living detective. It's so good. Really it, good. It's so good. Um, also, we didn't talk about the opening sequence of the movie with the um, the, the box, the puzzle box, um, which is so good. It's and on on rewatch, oh my god, it's like it's one of those things. Like, where that first scene kind of is the whole movie in a nutshell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, 
truly, um, about you know how all these people are playing into this game, playing into Edward mm-hmm. Norton's game of going they along all with receive, his plan. They all receive this complex puzzle box that they that like they're all working together to solve, and all of these puzzles seem it's it's designed to make these people feel good about how smart they are yeah, yeah, with yeah. reality they're solving like tic-tac-toe puzzles and like <laughs> little sliding block puzzles um yeah and and playing into like the 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 ruse of miles Braun of like being this acclaimed like otherworldly genius and then you find out later in the movie that like he just like had he paid some guys to design this box yeah yeah, yeah. Um, um and then to have the scene uh buttoned by janelle monet uh, who we think is Andy and learned come to find out that it is um, her sister um, not playing the game and just taking a sledgehammer to the box and getting the damn invitation mm-hmm. out of it because yeah. she doesn't have time for his games. Yeah. Being the it's disruptor. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which plays into the very end of this movie when she kind of does the same thing again of just start smashing shit. Mm-hmm. Literally, literally sometimes the only thing you can do is just, start smashing shit yeah yeah let's talk about Uh, the ending of the movie i think it's so um it was unexpected just because it's so um not trying to do anything smart mm -hmm. (laughs) you know what i mean like it's just like but coming but coming back around to by to being so intelligent by like yeah by not i it's 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 like the it's like the mirror trick. It's like a magic trick of like I literally don't know how they pulled this off. How it can be both things simultaneously and yet still so incredibly potent. Yeah, I mean, because like you know, compared to the end of Knives Out One, where it's like they they finally um, they have an elaborate ruse to trick Chris Pine into admitting his guilt. Um, mm-hmm. With this movie, we come to a moment of like. Oh, the truth is not going to come out. These powerful people are going to protect each other. Mm-hmm. So yeah, the truth the truth doesn't matter when like Benoit literally says like my jurisdiction ends at like giving you the truth, but like I'm not the police, I'm not the justice system. Yeah. Like I like and I, I we know that you. like you know people with this level of power are not ever going to face any sorts of mm-hmm. real consequences. Exactly. They're always just going to get a slap on the wrist. So blow it all up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Blow it all up and, and destroy the Mon- the Mona Sometimes Lisa. you literally have to destroy the Mona Lisa, <laughs> which again, which, which again, you get you get on the second on his in Miles' speech about being a disruptor. He's talking about like you'll break little things, but you'll never break the one thing that people want you to not break the most. Mm, and like, wow, good catch. And then and then Janelle Monae is the only one who's literally like, no, I'm literally going to destroy the Mona Lisa and yeah, like yeah. ruin you forever. Yeah, because what starts happening is like. Yeah, she's like, I can't do anything. I'm just gonna start smashing all of these like incredibly valuable art pieces. And at first, um, um, Ed Norton's character is like, he okay, wasn't whatever, us. cool. Yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> like you can you you can just you know break that glass sculpture over there or that Rothko. No one really liked that Rothko. Um, and then like the other like Catherine Hahn's character and um, Leslie Odom Jr.'s, Jr.'s character like start joining in, but mm-hmm. in a very, um, in a very, uh, 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 what is it? What's the word for it? Like they're not fully committing to it. They're kind of just not like, fully committing to it. They're, they're like, yeah, well, sure, I'll, trepidatiously. Sure, I guess. trepidatiously. I'll start and I'll like I'll I'll support you. I'll I'll support you and like it. Well, again, it it felt a little like 
Black Lives Matter to me a little bit of like um, mm. um signal. What is it? Signal virtue signaling. Signal boosting. Virtue signaling. That's yeah. what I was looking for. It felt very virtue signally of like, yeah, yeah we'll participate I'll in sma- this. I'll, I'll smash it too. And like, I'll, I'll smash the patriarchy. Over. Yeah. A little base over. And then it gets more and more intense. And she's like, destroys Liberace's piano. And then she like starts going for the Mona Lisa. And they're like, whoa, 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 stop. Okay, no, don't actually. Yeah. That's too far. That's too far. Um, but no. She and does then it. burns she, it with the the fucking uh, disaster fuel that uh, that Edward Norton is trying to um, push mm-hmm. into yeah. um, into production. which again felt very very Tesla, very mm-hmm. SpaceX, very like don't worry, I have the single solution to fix the entire world. I'll literally make energy out of hydrogen that is just essentially a hydrogen bomb yeah. when it's exposed to flame. <laughs> oh, it's so good, and then also. Speaking of of Miss Mona Lisa, R.I.P. to her. Um, mm-hmm. In this universe, at least. Um, I don't. Has anyone checked since this movie came out? True. Has anyone has anyone been to the to the Louvre? Has anyone seen the Mona Lisa in person? I don't. I don't want to say you saw a picture online. You saw it on YouTube. No. Did you see it in person? Do we know for a fact it's still there? Have you walked your ass to the Louvre and checked mm-hmm. to see if it's there recently? I don't know. When's the last time you uh-huh. walked your ass to the Louvre? <laughs> Get your fucking ass up and walk to the Louvre and see the Mona Lisa. It seems like yeah. no one wants to walk to the Louvre and see the Mona Lisa these <laughs> days. <laughs> Stupid. Anyways, um, I just want to talk about the 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 last shot of the film. Um, mm-hmm. Which did you note it? Did, did you pick up on it? Um, explain explain what you're talking about. As so as the mansion is burning and we see the cops coming up, uh, Janelle Monet like looks back and then turns and then has a subtle smile on her face and is just posed, and she becomes the Mona Lisa in that last shot. <gasps> no, yeah, <I> didn't <laughs> <notice> that. <laughs> no, well, I did. I did notice like when when Miles Braun is describing the Mona Lisa and talking about like you know Da Vinci developed these brush strokes so where you can't even tell you can't even smiling, tell if she's smiling she or not. Yeah, like how is she always falling? Every time you look, it's like a different painting, and there's layers to it. And then it's cutting between her and then Janelle Monae's character and painting her as the Mona Lisa, as like yeah. this character where you don't know if she's smiling or if she's frowning. You don't even really know who she is. Yeah, and so good. And she does it perfectly in that last moment of the film, mm-hmm. where like you you look at her face and you can't really tell if she's smiling or not. But like mm-hmm. it's giving Mona Lisa even the position. If you look at the background too. Like, even mm-hmm. the colors of, like, the mansion burning in the background are kind of, like, mirroring the background of the Mona Lisa. Mm-hmm. It's so fucking good. It's iconic. See, I was, I was thinking of that meme of the little girl looking back as the house is burning yeah. down. You know that meme? <laughs> the, yeah. other, the other Mona Lisa of our time? Yeah. <laughs> um, very much blending those two works of art together. Um, but, yeah, it's great. And that last shot, that's the moment where I said, Chinema. This is Chinema. Chinema. This is um, Kirsten, this is Kirsten Chinema right here. <laughs> nice. Um, are you are you into Letterbox? Do you do you log your movies? I should start doing it this year. Um, I, I like I made a Letterbox like last in, year. Mm-hmm. I got into like the second yeah. half of last year, and like it's it's nice. It's nice yeah. to have a little a little movie journal on an app. Um, yeah, I will say going back to gaming for a second. Uh, the the gaming equivalent GG that app kind mm-hmm. of a flop. I've been using that. I I've been trying to use it more. It's... Have you paid for the like pro service? Because oh, I feel like you can't really not. do anything unless you have the pro service. Mm-hmm. And like, I don't know. I just wish there was a more, um, there was a better alternative to that. Yeah, it, I kind of don't is like it because it. it has the it has the five star rating system that that Letterbox does of like yeah. you can like what your game rating is, but it also lets you set 
there's like 10 different settings of like, I've not played this game. I want to play this game. I plan to play this game. I I am playing this game. I played this game, but didn't finish it. I played this game and finished it. I didn't finish this game, but it's on the shelf. And like, I like, I need three less options. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very that. It's 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 asking just a little too much. It's like impossible to find your friends on it. Like, I I feel Mm -hmm. like I I tried searching for you and couldn't find you. I assume your username's Eric of the Sun on it, right? Probably. Yeah. Well, did you put underscores? I put underscores between all those words and did not find you. Um, Anyways. yeah, but I should hop back on Letterboxd this year and share my thoughts and make them known. Um, yeah. Anything else on this move? Um, um, when Benoit Blanc is um, plotting with Janelle Monet to like disguise her as her dead sister, he has a very funny throwaway line of like, don't worry, I know a hairdresser. <laughs> <laughs> and the way he uh. says it is so... It's so a little like a little impressive, like yeah, don't yeah. Worry. Uh, we'll, I, I'll get your I'll get your hair done. Don't you worry. <laughs> oh, Ryan Johnson, I wanna I wanna kiss you on the mouth for is, giving is us great gay? queer characters. Ryan is Johnson? Ryan Johnson queer? I think he has a wife, but mm. but you know, and you know, I'm Daniel Craig as far as I know, straight. But like after this performance, I'm like you've got also he yeah. and Hugh Grant have like for years kind of had a kind of like bromance. Mm-hmm. thing going on i feel like uh, i feel like he might be a little limpress mm, a knows? little um um carrie grant and what was his name i the don't know what you're what, what reference you're pulling 50s. oh well, I, was thinking, I was thinking of like old movies it was like those two old movie stars who were like they were confirmed bachelors and lived together for years in a mansion oh. was, was it rock hudson i think it might have been rock yeah, hudson. yeah 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 mm-hmm. carrie grant and rock hudson who rock hudson we know for sure was absolutely flaming yeah he um, was sticking down james baldwin yeah Mm-hmm. Yeah. And probably Cole Porter, I think, too. Yeah. All Cole Porter. Cole, Cole Porter. Was gay. Yeah, but I don't think he was alive at the same time as Rock Hudson and uh James Baldwin. Right? Pro- I could possibly. be totally wrong. I could be totally I have no wrong. Idea. Also, was Cole Porter gay? I mean, Cole he Porter's- wrote he wrote the Great American Song, but he gotta be <laughs> he gotta be a little faggy to do that. I remember I feel like I remember he was on remember that that Brian Murphy show Hollywood about like the fantasy version of like Hollywood in the 50s and 30s, except, like, what if the POCs were in charge? Like, what a better industry it would be. Mm. I feel like I remember, like, Cole Porter, like, being, like, a character, like, that was in, like, a, uh, like, a cruisy, like, ga- like, gar- like, car garage place. I don't know. I didn't watch that show. Porter, by temperament and, entitled of age, and entitlement, came of age among the openly bisexual European upper crust. Everyone knew that he was a gay man with a marriage of convenience. Everyone agreed to maintain the presence that he wasn't. From the New Yorker about the pleasure and pain of being Cole Porter. Also, he died in 1964. Mm. So, after, I don't, I literally don't know anything about anything. We're not doing a history lesson. <laughs> we can't do this. There's podcasts that can teach us better than than than, than we are to you right now, listener. Anyways, um, yeah. Any final thoughts about uh, Glarsk Onion? Um, no, not really. I feel like we. We did it. I think we did it as a whole. Hey. Again, I think I liked Knives Out one better, but I'm glad that Knives I do. I do as well. Glass Onion exists, and I think that it was a fun little romp. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I think it was uh, ultimately critiquing itself. Uh, you know, with the central thesis being like sometimes mysteries don't need to be overthought. Sometimes, like we said, the the easiest answer is the solution, and I think that's pretty subversive for a mystery whodunit movie to do. Um, right, but it, but is and is but is very applicable to our current life and times of like 
our, the answers to our problems are not that complicated or the perpetrators of our issues aren't that complex. It's billionaires. It's and burned it's down the billionaire shit. Yeah. It's, it's burned down the billionaire shit. That's the only way shit's going to change. And like yeah. for that to be the message of like a pretty mainstream Hollywood film is really daring yeah. um, and really cool. And like makes me glad that like Ryan Johnson is still able to like tell stories like this. Yeah. Um, that and uh, Andor, which he didn't work on, but I feel like Andor's doing. Do, yeah, I, 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 I had that thought, but I held my tongue because I was like, I've been talking about Andor so much. <laughs> no, we need. We, we I want to keep talking about it. We'll talk yeah. about it more, but I need to finish it. But who? Oh my gosh! Yeah, it's. I said I said it yesterday. So I'll say it again. So fucking good. Best Star Wars thing ever. Anyways, most I, most I've liked a Star Wars thing since Last Jedi. Coincidentally, yeah. like Mandalorian was cool. It was uh-huh. fine. It didn't make Star it Wars Visions Whoa. was dope. Although, like, that's kind of not. Um, well, was that like an anthology? That was the that was the show? anime anthology where each episode was animated by a different anime studio. Oh, um, I never watched that. It's it's worth putting on if you ever just want something light to watch. Um, my favorite one is. Um, I'll have a couple favorites. No, they're all good. The first one's like a black and white. Uh, it's called Ronin, and it's about like this like like uh sith who's like defected and is just kind of this like wandering samurai figure who like decides to defend his small town um oh the one that's my favorite i forget which studio did it but it's um about this like young boy who uh is like a singer in a like alien touring rock band and like we find out that the reason that he has joined this rock band is because he uh recently is was uh, an escapee of order 66 and was like a uh. young jedi padawan in training who like managed to escape and like found his escape through this like traveling music troupe that decided to take him in and uh, talked about how his like his resistance against the empire was through performing music and i thought that was really sweet it's a great cool. little anthology I, I recommend checking it out um yeah nice. well anyways that's on glass onion there they are yeah <laughs> <laughs> My final, final thoughts are watch Star Wars Visions. Um, there no. we go. Yeah, Glass Onion is fun. And Ryan Johnson, keep keep on making them hits. I'll watch every single one. Nice. Um, do you want to take a break and then talk about what else we're gay for? Yes. Welcome back to Gay for Play. This is our segment of the episode where we talk about what else we're gay for. Um, Eric, do you have something that you are gay for this week? Yes, I do. I have something I'm very gay for this week um, because this morning I booked my reservation to visit <gasps> yes. Super Nintendo World. Yes. At Universal I'm so Jelena and excited for you. I'm so like, jelly having, and excited for you. Having an email in my inbox that says, you're good to go. Show up here on this date at this time and you're going to get in. I'm like, you're going to Mario's house. I'm and going he's going to, to grab you by the hand and invite you in. I'm going to Toadstool's Cafe and I'm going to eat a mushroom soup yes. and probably a, a Luigi chicken burger or something. Yes. Uh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. So for those who don't know who I, how, I don't know how you don't know because I literally won't talk about anything else right now is um, Universal Studios Hollywood is um, building an extension to the park that is an entire oh, bitch, people know. I feel like Mario it's the... themed land. It's, it's, it's happening. It's the name on everyone's lips right now is Super Nintendo World. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm so excited Despite, for you. Despite not having anything other than Mario, it should be Super Mario World, but that's yeah. already a video game with a title, so they have to call it Super Nintendo World. It's fine. Yeah. But yes. 
No, I'm so I'm truly so happy for you. I mean, you are a theme park gay down. You are a Nintendo gay down, and what a what it's a beautiful my, combination of those things. It's my two special interests to yeah. meeting in a beautifully romantic, sweet embrace, and I'm gonna be the little meat of the sandwich in between the two of those things when I go on what is it January 31st yeah sorry do you mean (laughs) you mean filmuary 31st right filmuary 31st (laughs) yes filmuary 32nd filmuary 33rd it really just it goes and goes and goes Mm -hmm. uh but yeah you know there's there's the Mario Kart Bowser's Challenge ride which of course is like the centerpiece attraction it's Mm -hmm. a Mario Kart themed dark ride that is going to be like interactive with VR goggles that you wear and like through the ride, you'll be able to like shoot items and like see like little VR holograms that show up like augmented onto like the physical sets of the ride. I, 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 it's literally, I don't know how it's going to work. I don't know what's going to look like. Even like what I've seen of like camera recordings, I'm sure like don't capture um, what I'm sure is to be a very magical, very mm-hmm. cool experience. Um, yeah. There's going to be a toadstool cafe that serves Mario themed foods. One of the things I saw that they're going to have that I'm absolutely going to get is a question block tiramisu where it's a little tiramisu square, but then they put little question block cookies on all four sides of it to make it look like a question block. Wow. Um, And what I think is actually going to be the coolest thing about the land, even more so than the ride is the um, like interactive elements of the land. Mm. Um, If you've been to like Harry Potter world, they have those interactive windows where if you get a, like an RFID chipped wand from Ollivanders, you can wave your wand at the window and it'll like, it'll like do a little magic trick. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do a little magic trick, do a little cool effect in this window. Um, and this is even like a step further than that, where there are going to be like interactive, like full physical set scale, mini games throughout the land that if you have this, um, like Mario power band on your wrist, that's going to be like a, I think a $40 like thing. You can RFID scan your way into like all these mini games, like play these little mini games in the land. And then it's going to be like connected to your phone through Bluetooth RFID stuff. Yeah. And it's going to like the land will like remember things you've done in places. And like, there's just, there's a game element to the whole land that I think is going to be so fucking cool yeah. and going to make it like fun to revisit. I mean, I literally got an annual pass for universal because I knew this was coming and I know that I'm going to want to go at least four times after it opens. Yes. Um, it's going to be so good. And I can't wait to share my experience with all of you listeners. Hooray. Yeah. Get that content Hooray. for us. <laughs> yeah. Get that G for P press it's everywhere. I, 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 YouTube will not stop recommending me videos. Like every news headline on my, like Google news algorithm is like to five things you didn't know about Nintendo. World. <laughs> Mario's there. Luigi is his brother. You know, and I'm and I'm reading all of them. Like, yes, I know. I can't wait. Yeah, so, yeah. Well, yeah, I'm excited for you. Um, I'm excited for yeah. you at some point. I know. I mean, you're gonna. Yeah, you're I'll, I'll probably I'll I'll probably go sometime later this year once um mm-hmm. once it's well and open. So wait, are you going? Will it be officially opened, or are you getting like a early access? Month? This is like a early access. It's vibes. like a past member preview. So I had to all like right. get a reservation like this morning on cool. my on my computer of like nice. I think it opens. February 17th. I'm going on the 31st. So a full like, you know, two weeks before it's officially open to the general public, which is going to be pretty cool. Um, I'm curious how the launch is going to be though. Like how it's going to, it's going to be insane. It's going to be be so fucking crowded. That's why I like, I'm so excited. I got like a, like a past 
preview. Yeah. Because it'll be at least a little bit limited, like less capacity than what it's going to be when it's just like open for everybody. Mm-hmm. So I'm glad I'm glad to get in now rather than later. Um, and yeah, and when you come to the park, it's it's like in the lower half of the park. If you've been to Universal, it's like split between an upper level and a lower level. Yeah. Um, and you can just as you're coming down these escalators into the lower lot. So you it can is like see, is it like behind like Transformers? Is that like kind of where it's, it is? It's um it's like to the left of Transformers. Okay, but in that general area. Um, yeah, in that general area. Uh, but someone I I've heard it pointed out on a couple podcasts that like. There's this feeling of like being of in a world select mode when about... you're coming down the escalators. Listening to my my theme park podcasts talk about <laughs> Super Nintendo World, absolutely. Have you ever heard a more surprising uh, thing about nope. me and what I do with my time? Um, but yeah, uh, they, they they talk about coming down the escalators to the lower lot and seeing all of Nintendo World because you can't hide it. It's all like open yeah. air, but it, it feels like a world select screen of like you're descending into it and you, you can see all of the effects and props. Of yeah, the hopping into the donut closer. planes. That's so hopping into the donut planes. Oh, so my gosh. Can't so wait. Fun. That's so fun. That's what, I need what about you, Lawrence? Oh, I don't know. I was racking my brain trying to think of something to talk about. Um, I guess I feel like I, I I mentioned it briefly on our Game of the Year episode, but I don't think I talked about the book that much. But I read this book, which you'd also read, Eric, uh, A Long Way to the Small Angry Planet by Becky Chambers. Yeah, I, I didn't finish this. I want to say I got like a third of the way through, but I, yeah. I didn't I didn't quite make it did you finish it i did and i really enjoyed it a lot it was it's, i love sci-fi i think I've, i'm very much in a sci-fi era right now i think i talked about the book when i was talking about citizen sleeper and talking about how it's kind mm-hmm. of dealing with similar themes um and then you know being on this uh on this andor high right now i think it's just a great time to be into sci-fi um but yeah this is a sci-fi book well, we're about, living it we're living sci-fi right now yeah, we're, we're here yeah, life is stranger than fiction, even. Um, Not much has changed except we live underwater because it won't stop raining. <laughs> Ooh, I, I kind of had an existential thought the other day where I was thinking about the rain and all the flooding that's happening. And then I was thinking about um, when I first read uh, Football in 17776. And at one point, they go to a map of California and the entire valley is just an ocean or like a sea mm. um and it had me thinking the about basin, how, basin of water yeah it had yeah. me thinking about how like the home that i live in right now is kind of one day destined to become uh the bottom of an ocean mm. anyways <laughs> climate change metaphor aside actually good segue because uh long way to the small angry planet takes place uh in a you know a fictional far future where earth has been deemed uninhabitable and um Humans have largely uh, migrated uh, mostly to Mars, and there's um, also a group of people called Exodens who are humans who basically uh, escaped on a transport ship and have like lived without a home planet. Um, and talks about a world where they are found by um, alien species and kind of brought into the fold of this like galactic alliance of different species. And talks about um, our main protagonist it's it's an ensemble piece it's about this uh crew member of a tunneling ship basically it is a ship that is like building wormholes so that people can do hyperspace travel to like other parts of the galaxy um and it's about this uh woman who joins this human woman from mars who joins this planet or who joins the spaceship as a clerk uh and just meets the like uh crazy cast of characters above the spaceship Mm -hmm. and um 
it's, it's very um treasure planet it reminds yeah. me of that a lot of like so it's like like it's, it is like a like a jaunty almost pirate ship crew the, mm-hmm. the characters in this in this book they're all you know they're all kind of outcast they all have their reasons for like having left their home planets and like chosen chosen a life on the ship yeah chosen a life on on the space yeah and it is very much a chosen family vibes book where it's about mm-hmm. like you know this girl who becomes a clerk is kind of on the run from her kind of complicated past on mars um but finds an unlikely family um in this crew that she joins and uh it, it kind of just posits a lot of interesting ideas of like what it would be like for humans to um live in a multi-species uh, society and like mm-hmm. um Talks a lot about like uh, speciesism, you know, like racism against different species. Um, one of the like main characters of the book is the pilot, who is this. Um, the species is called an andrisk, and she's basically like a large reptilian woman. Uh, and it talks. There's like this guy on a ship who's low key racist, and like when he gets angry at her, sometimes like calls her a lizard, and they're like, "Bro, mm. <laughs> you can't be calling bro, her a bro. What the fuck, bro? What the fuck? Um, call her that, bro." But also, like the 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 book does deal a lot with like. Um, this idea of like people from different species falling in love and how this is still a taboo in this universe. And uh, so there's kind of this queer metaphor too of like loving someone that you're not supposed to love and, um, you know, finding, I was going to say common humanity in each other, but I guess it's not humanity, but common sentience <laughs> within each other. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's a very well, like... Because I remember, because one of the characters is like an AI character, right? Like yes. you don't even have a body. It's like the ship computer who is like in a relationship with one of the, the, the crewmates. Yeah, yeah. One of the like techies above the ship is like in love with the uh, AI, uh, the AI droid of the ship basically. And um, yeah, so it explores like their relationship and the, the pilot of the ship is also in love with this woman who is... Uh, who is an alien um, and some other things that I won't spoil, but like, it's a lovely book that um, kind of has you thinking about life and love and mm-hmm. uh, humanity. And I really recommend and, it also. And, um, and depict sci-fi in a really realistic way. Yes, like, I yeah. love when sci-fi books go really into detail about like, how does the science of like building a wormhole for like public transport yeah, work? Yeah. And, like, go like the way they go into like how they build the structures that like hold the wormhole open. I'm like, Oh, this is really actually fascinating to think that yeah. like, this this doesn't sound entirely impossible yeah like this um, could be how technology evolves to, at some point the author becky chambers i think she is the daughter of like astrophysicists um mm. and then ended up getting like a degree in theater and so it's kind of a cool cool uh, you see how she is combining like her creative arts background with um her family history and it's really fascinating also i found out recently because my sister started reading it and i like um uh, like went into her room the other day while she was reading and she's like, did you know this is part of like a series? And I was like, what? And she's like, yeah, I was like looking online and she's like written like, like uh, two or three sequels to this book. So mm. I'm gonna check those out. Yeah, I know it's a, I know it's a series. Yeah. Um, ripe for adaptation. I'm just yeah. gonna say. Yeah, yeah, like, I was gonna say. From, from what I remember, I'm like, this yeah. would be a great like, oh. little serialized show. I was gonna say too, big Mass Effect vibes if if, you, if there's any Mass Effect fans mm. out there. Um. I'll play it someday. I'll play yeah, it someday. Very much like um I with your friends on the Normandy vibes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um I didn't finish Small Way Long Way to a Small Angry Planet, but I just remembered I did read another one of her books. Is it um, the one about the monk and the robot? Fortunate. Oh no. No, not the one about the monk and the robot. To be taught if fortunate, which is what I read first by her. And it's more of like it's more novella. I think it's only like mm-hmm. 150 pages. Um, but it's it's very much um 
it goes even further in like the, the sci-fi realism about like these four astronauts that like go into like cryo sleep. So that way they can like excavate on a planet somewhere. But it's, it goes into like how they would like actually age, even if they were like put into cryo sleep mm-hmm. and like the way that their hair and nails would still grow. And I just, I just remember being obsessed with that like short novella story that I, that was why I picked up her other book, but I recommend that other um, uh, work of hers. Nice. Taught if fortunate. Very also, um, interstellar. If you remember that Chris Nolan movie, you remember yeah. that interstellar. Yeah. Yeah. yeah what um, were you going to say? The the monk and the robot one uh, was recently recommended to me. It's called A Psalm for the Wild Built by Becky Chambers. Um, and I think that yeah. I got an audiobook of it and I'm planning to listen to it when I take my trip down to oh, LA. Audiobooks. I um, started listening to Priest Daddy. We're in a book. Corner, oh, yes. A book, a book that. Priest Daddy. Yeah. That, you, that you did read, right? I, yeah, I read it last year. It was, I, th- I think, the first yeah. book I read last year. So good. So, so fucking, fucking good. good and yeah. so funny. Um, just about this woman who's um, a memoir. It's a father. true story, by the way. Um, it's a memoir. It's a, yeah. It's a, yeah, a memoir about this um, of this woman who I, as far as I know, isn't like she's not like famous. It's not like a memoir of like uh, she was a she's a poet. Famous. I think she's she was a published poet yeah. um, and then wrote this memoir about yeah. her life. Uh, Patricia Lockwood. Yeah, but is it's the about how her yeah about how her father is a Catholic priest and like the dynamics of like a Catholic priest who like does have a family and like what the implications of that are and just how it's affected her through her whole life. Yeah. Um, it sounds maybe a little more sad from my description than it actually is. It's actually so fucking funny. Yeah, no, it's, yeah, very funny, very lighthearted, but also very deep. She's a beautiful writer. Um, very like, aren't you glad your parents aren't this crazy? Yeah, also really hit home, A, the Catholic vibes of it all, like, highly related to that. But also, like, um, the the time period that she's writing is about a moment when she uh, she moved back in back home with her parents with her husband um after her her husband was like lost his job and was having health issues um and to just uh the perspective of like moving back in with your family and like seeing your parents through a new lens as you're an adult is something that hit very close to home as i have been living with family ever since covid happened and it's been a um very different but like similar similar theme journeys of um you know seeing my parents through a new lens um yeah, it really hit home and awesome. really recommended a lot. Yeah, Look at us being literate. It, Look at us. Yeah, no, I I, ha- I got an Audible trial that was a free week trial that I forgot to cancel and ended up paying fifteen dollars mm. for a month of. But I'm gonna use that month and I'm yeah. gonna finish Priest Daddy. Um, I'm I would love to go back to uh, to be taught if fortunate. It's on my Kindle. Yeah, nice. Kindles they seem like such a good idea, and then once you you and then once you forget you own it, you're and then you remember you have yeah. like twenty books just like sitting on that little thing. You're like, oh, I should. I could, I could read this. I, could I don't, read this. This I don't like Kindles. I, I, I really like having a physical book because there's something about being able to like tangibly see your progress of how much you're leaping through it. Whereas mm-hmm. a little screen and like, I don't know. My favorite thing about reading a book is like, Oh, this thing reminds me of something that happened five chapters ago. Let me just, and go back to that page. Yeah, whereas with a, with a Kindle that makes it's it near impossible. fucking impossible. Yeah. 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 Um, mm-hmm. anyways, Cool. Look at us being literate. Here's to reading more. I don't think I've read a single book um, in 2023 <laughs> yet. <laughs> uh, we'll change that. That's better than me. Yeah. We'll see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, thank you for listening to another episode thank you. of Gay for Play. Yes. Um, good start to the year. Good start. I'm excited yeah. for how we're doing. Me too. Um... Yeah, I, we talked about it in the, well, I guess this is, 
I don't know when this is going to release because we recorded our episode yesterday. Uh, mm-hmm. And then we're probably going to have which, which was which was mostly just like a personal check, a little catch up, a really little catch up episode. Topic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I'm assuming that by the time you're listening to this, we've already put out the video game pop culture and beyond award. And so I'm guessing that will have this mm-hmm. will have come out after that. Who knows? Um, mm-hmm. But whenever you're listening to this, I hope you're having a lovely start to the year, and I'm very excited for the rest of the year. Excited to um, just build community with y'all and uh, yeah. be a part of be be y'all's friends, and hopefully, you consider us friends as well. Yeah, and thank you for sticking with us even through uh, even through this weird jumbled holiday season where I feel like you and I both have just were, it, it was just it's just hard around the holidays yeah. to keep up on this kind of stuff. Yeah. Which is fine. It's not like this podcast is our jobs yet. I know, right? Um, if you'd like to help us make it our jobs, <laughs> we have a Patreon. Uh, Patreon.com slash GayForPlayPod, uh, which I think a resolution for us. We will be posting bonus content on there more regularly um, this year. Uh, but you can go there, join in for as low as $1 a month if you'd like to support the show. Also, 2023, make it a resolution for you to uh rate and review this show on apple podcasts or spotify because i we really we i know we have more listeners than the 12 ratings that we have (laughs) on apple podcasts right now so please just take a minute to hit five stars and say hey we really like this and we think you'd like it too Um, and you know what and it's 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 a new year resolution you don't have to do it after the month of january just cram it in now yeah think about it again you're gonna forget about all your other resolutions by the time february gets here yeah so just get one get one and done and say that you you completed the new year's resolution um yeah uh, if you'd like to find us, we're on Twitter and Instagram at Gay for Play Pod. Um, I am on Twitter and Instagram at Afferman76. I am uh, in your head. In, in your, your head. I finally watched um, the Drag Race premiere yesterday, by the way. Oh, oh, we should talk about that. What do you think? Real quick, Drag, drag mm. Race Corner. <laughs> I get what you're saying about like feeling old. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. I feel like they're intentionally trying to lean into the TikTok era and, and talk about this new era of drag. I'm because like, it is ah. real. Like, yeah, it, it is not. Like, they cannot deny that. Like, a huge part of our entertainment diet is fully just the website TikTok. Yeah. Um. I don't know how much I'm gonna like this season. It feels kind of like a weird beast. Um. I will say I did kind of get endeared to sugar and spice they kind of did win me over a little bit they're just except what the thing about that is that even when their talent show it's like they literally stand in one spot and move a couple inches because they're like in tiktok mode like they don't know how to use a but here's up, okay here's which the isn't thing. a bad thing i'm not saying that's a negative i just noticed that really hard of like oh they are literally like they only know how to make tiktok here's the that's thing used to. is i think part of um succeeding on drag race in the modern era is just being an entertaining little jester for uh for RuPaul Charles and I do That's feel all you like have to do. I do feel like sugar and spice are like coco melon for for RuPaul mm. <laughs> like well they're like they're like what the Georges of of last season yeah well like truly their, their I mean, impact well Georges is a fucking fierce performer I don't know how how uh sugar and spice will hold a candle to them but truly just like bright colors and silly sounds that are making RuPaul laugh and smile. And I feel like that's going to take them pretty far. But the thing is like, the thing thing about sugar and spice is like, I get it. I think they are actually 
smarter than they're letting on. <laughs> like, and I do think they're interesting choice yeah. for reality television. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do think I do think it will like bear some very interesting yeah. reality TV fruit at some point. I mean, you know, they're going to lip sync against each other. You know, one of them's going to have to send the other one home. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah. Be really emotional. Very dramatic. We're going to see how we're going to see how one of them like yeah. does without without their twin, and it's going to be super cool. But the moment that. Gonna, sorry sorry to cut you off but the moment that won me over was i think it was at the end of sugar's talent show where she does this whole like number where she's like doing this incoherent rap and is like barely keeping up with it and at the very end she's like god i'm so annoying <laughs> and yeah. i was like okay you like get it and then is she and then she's like doing it in front of a coffin and then Rui was like the coffin really ties the whole thing <laughs> yeah, together. yeah yeah well, i think it was spicy did it in front of the coffin and then sugar did like a like like she a was like in a like childhood sleepover. bed and then yeah has that line at the end where she's like god i'm so annoying i was like okay Y'all have something here. Um, Sasha Colby is an icon, a star. I hope they're already showing in the preview for the second episode, which will have been out by the time you're listening to this, that like she's probably going to struggle on acting challenges. But it's like, I don't see anyone beating her in a lip sync. Hmm. No, I was we'll literally see. watching um, videos of her when she, the year that she won Miss Continental back mm-hmm. in 2012. And like, man, I for, we, we forget that like drag ball culture and like... Um, Extends far... Beyond far beyond drag race. Like, drag race. Also, I, I don't know if I mentioned this yesterday when we recorded, but like there was a tweet that I saw that I can't stop thinking about, and it's like Sasha Colby competing on RuPaul's Drag Race is like Beyonce competing on American mm-hmm. Idol. That was um, that was Bosco tweeted that when they announced the cast. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. yeah. Exactly, uh-huh. And that's exactly what seeing Sasha Colby in the first episode feels like, because mm-hmm. literally everyone in the cast is like, "Oh is my Sasha god, Colby? it's an honor to meet you." Yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah. Nice. Oh, one of my friends was at, and I wish I would have gone to this, but um, Sasha Colby hosted at Heart in WeHo, the Lance Bass Bar. Um, Sasha Colby hosted the premiere, and Ariana Grande was there, like watching and no way at the end. Wow. Yes, I'm so mad I didn't go. Wow. Also, Ariana Grande, incredible guest host this time. Yeah, I great. Fucking loved her. Love her. Episode. Yeah. People are kind of dragging her because like she she borrowed Vivacious's line and said mother has arrived, and people are like, who's calling Ariana Grande mother? <laughs> <laughs> um literally so every many, single twink I know. Literally every gay literally every gay in WeHo. Yeah. Um, literally, every every single homosexual at a screening of Megan this very instant is probably waving their finger <laughs> at the screen, yelling mother at Megan, and she's a fucking doll child. That's <laughs> just where we are. Oh man, that's where we are as a culture. Well anyway, if you want to be my mother, follow me at Eric of the Sun. Remember to put underscores between all of those words. I didn't say that five minutes ago when I was trying to tell people where to find me. Wow. Wow. Um Slay. Well we'll we'll catch you next time, dear listener. Thanks for listening to um our our first filmuary foray of twenty twenty three. And we'll catch you on Yay. the next one when we talk about Star Wars Andor the next Probably one Andor. we're gonna do. Yeah. I think and I think we'll do Andor next. Selena. Go all right. It. We're letting you know now so you can go watch it before we go talk watch about it. it. It's only 12 episodes and they're all so fucking good. You'll, you'll binge it all. It's great. Alrighty. Love you lots. Bye. Talk to you later. Bye. Thank you for listening to Gay for Play. Our music is by Connor Marsh and our show art is by Benny Kessler. Remember to check the link in the description for links to our social media, Patreon, and more. And please remember to rate us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Till next time, remember, it's no mystery why we love you. It's because you're such a cutie, that's why. Mm-hmm.